Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back. I'm so glad you've joined me. I'm Audrey Rinlisbacher. I'm the author of The Mission Driven Life and the founder of The Mission Driven Mom. And we're going to talk for the next few minutes about the subject of getting the book through you. This is something that I think people are very interested in, especially if they really want to read books that are going to educate them somehow or if they've dove into better quality books or classics at all and and you're just kind of walking away from those books a little bit like, I don't feel like I'm getting it. I don't know what's supposed to be happening when I'm, when I'm reading this. So I'm going to talk to you about some tools and tips and strategies that have made a huge difference. This is a topic I've studied and taught for 15 years. And so these are some of the things that are most important and are the most helpful for people in really making that book a part of you. Especially because in our education, we often were taught to get through the book. And I think that's why this idea of getting the book through you is so uh, profound for us, because that's ultimately what we really want. So Mortimer Adler, and I quote him a lot because he's kind of the guru on um, modern guru on liberal and classical education just recently read his Padia proposal and Padia program, which outlines how this kind of education ought to happen in a democratic republic, especially in the lower grades in the elementary through high school years, what he thinks education ought to look like. Some really good stuff in there, but he made a really important point. He was talking about classwork and curriculum and stuff when he said this, but boy, it sure applies to us when we're reading a book. He said that you can go into any class, and in our case, any learning experience, any book, with one of two goals. The first goal would be to learn all the predetermined material. And the second goal would be to become a stellar lifelong learner. In other words, to really get the book through you. Now, he says you might be able to accomplish both, but you can't set out to do both. One or the other is going to win. Now, the reason I bring this up first off is because when I talk to people who are just kind of getting turned on to wanting to read better stuff, sometimes this just is because there's some good self-help stuff out there and, and they're wanting to spend some time in those books. What I get a lot of from people is that they feel like they have to finish the whole book. So we're going to start out with me giving you permission to not finish the book. And we're going to talk about why you don't always need to finish the book. Because if your goal going in is to finish the book or to finish your book list that you've made, right? Like, Maybe you are going to go off someone else's list or you have a predetermined set of books. Later on, when you know better more of what you're studying for, what a, more of what you're learning for, more of what these books you're, 
are supposed to be doing for you and you have some of these skills mastered, then you might just have to buck up and get through a book because you need to know everything in that book for one reason or another. But when you're getting started, not so. What we have with many people who get turned on to things like the Mission Driven Mom or my book, The Mission Driven Life, or you know some of my articles or podcasts, is people who just have a little seed of, of desire. Things aren't going right in their lives maybe, or they want something to change, or they've just gotten turned on to the classics or something along those lines. And, and this seed has just really, they've got this little sprout that's just beginning to grow. And we don't want to kill it, okay? We don't want to overburden it with somebody else's, um, you know, 50 book prescription, or especially with the wrong skill set brought the wrong way into the wrong book. And then you're telling yourself you have to finish that whole book or you have to finish, you know, these 20 books. John Quincy Adams wrote a letter to his son and he said this, I hope you have now arrived at an age to understand that reading, even of the Bible, is a thing in itself, neither good nor bad. Reading could be good. Reading could be bad. It's not, it's in and of itself neutral. He goes on, but that all the good that can be drawn from it is by the use and improvement of what you read with the help of your own reflections. Young people sometimes boast of how many books and how much they've read. When instead of boasting, they ought to be ashamed of having wasted so much time to so little profit. I advise you, my son, in whatsoever you read, and most of all in reading the Bible, to remember that it is for the purpose of making you wiser and more virtuous. So he's like, I mean, if we're talking about whether or not to finish the book, but certainly whether or not to read it all, If it's not making you a better person, if it's not making you a stellar lifelong learner, if it's not proving in mind and improving your soul, there's no point. He says, those boys should be ashamed that they've read so much. So I've got this list of some reading skills that we can be developing as we're really trying to get the book through us. And I just want to use it kind of as a jumping off place for you to kind of ponder, do I have those skills? Am I able to do those things? And getting into the right books the right way, like we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, is going to help you to gain these skills. Number one, the ability to discern truth from error. Two, the ability to identify principles and compare them to principles in other works. Three, the ability to effectively and logically agree and disagree with an author. And why is that so important? Because then you gain the skill of agreeing and disagreeing appropriately with other people. And maybe most importantly, with those in authority over you. The next one, the ability to mark well and find what you have marked in your book later on to use it for whatever purpose you need it for. The ability to ask great questions and look for answers. This is a life skill. You practice it as you read and in great books, but it becomes a skill that you use for the betterment of yourself in your mothering and in everything that you do. And lastly, the ability to learn from others in a quality discussion of the reading. 
So we need to kind of ponder <laughs> those reading skills because they are definitely not the skills that we're focused on in school, but they are the skills that we need for a healthy, happy life. And the books that we read are going to help us to do that. And so the first thing that you need to do is know how to choose the books that you're going to spend time with. Robert Maynard Hutchins said, the best education for the best is the best education for all. And what he's saying here is that when it comes to what to read, whatever is best is best. It's best for you because it's best for the best. And it is the best. Uh, Adler said it this way, the ideas and issues raised by good books are more permanent and more interesting than those that are raised by inferior books. In fact, the best books, great books as they are called, raise the most fundamental and lively issues of all. And so, of course, we want to spend our time in the best books, but this doesn't mean that you have to run out and read Archimedes first thing. It can be this gradual process of reading really good books and then um, improving in your ability to read more and more difficult stuff. It's a process, right? And we need to be patient with ourselves. So here's a few tips about choosing what you're going to read. Stay away from textbooks and stay away from anything that isn't an original source. You want to be an original sources as much as possible. So if it's a history, read the author who is seems to you to be the least unbiased and who has spent their time in original sources. So at least that way, you're only one person away from original sources. But again, remember, they get to pick and choose the information that they include in the works that they write, and they don't always choose the things that would maybe be most important to you or that maybe would be even most pertinent to the story. So you have to, you have to be careful. Go right to that original source. If you want to learn about Columbus, read his journal. If you want to learn about Mother Teresa, read her journal. If you want to learn about an event in history, you know, go to the source that's closest to that. Um, C.S. Lewis says, you are not, in fact, going to read nothing. If you don't read good books, you'll read bad ones. So, <laughs> you know, even worse than that, even worse than reading bad books is is probably not reading at all. I don't know if it's worse than reading bad books, but if you don't take ownership over the information that's fed to you, you'll just get whatever everybody else filtered. What they think you ought to think about, what they're telling you is important to know, you won't know for yourself because you, won't, you don't take ownership of it. He went on to say, a man who has lived in many places is not likely to be deceived by the local heirs of his native village. The scholar has lived in many times and is therefore in some degree immune from the great cataract of nonsense that pours from the press and the microphone of his own age. Reading the original sources for ourselves, taking ownership, thinking for ourselves, reading classics on, uh, of our own choosing means that we are now in charge of what goes on in our brains. <laughs> and that is where we want to be. If we are choosing what we're going to read, we're choosing what we're going to think about. 
And by doing that, we will in fact change the kind of person that we become. And so the more selective we can be, the more we can stay in the best books, we have the most likelihood of becoming the best person that we can be. So we want to be careful. We want to be choosy. We don't want to dive into the most difficult works right off if we haven't spent time in them and totally overwhelm ourselves. And we don't want to have, we don't, I don't want you to think that you have to read every book that you pick up from cover to cover. That leads us to the next important point about getting the book through you. And that is to know a few books well. This goes back again to the John Quincy Adams quote when he told his son, those boys should be ashamed of having simply plowed through dozens of books and never having it change them or reform them in any way. What good is it to have all that information if it doesn't transform your character and if it doesn't improve your life? It was a waste of your time because you're not any better for it. And this is why we carefully choose the books and then we spend time, the most time, in the books that transform us the most. So here's a little outline of what I would recommend. The first thing that you want to do is to read first those books that you feel most drawn to. Books that are being recommended to you by sources that you trust. Not necessarily your peers, because Again, this is, this is the kind of thing where we're bettering ourselves by taking ownership of what we think about and what we read. And so we're going to be choosy and we're going to go to people who are ahead of us on that road, who are further along and whose opinion we trust, we've come to trust because we know that they have the values that we have, etc. And we're going to take their word for it. Um, also, sometimes... When you kind of get into this frame of reference, you'll start noticing books keep coming up. I have one, um, three or four different people uh, in, in the recent past have recommended the book Educated to me. I need to read it. Um, people recommend books to me often. They ask me for book recommendations often, as I'm sure you can imagine, because I, I do this kind of thing. But I'll pay attention to those that come up often or that I feel really drawn to when I find out about them and they kind of don't go away, they kind of stick. I remember when I first heard about uh, The Hiding Place, I heard about it several places, and then I saw it on a thing at the library. Somebody pulled it off a shelf and, and put it up, one of the librarians, and I just knew I needed to read it. And of course, it was really it really changed my life. Then you want to put a little bit of work into preparing to read it well, and I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes, and to read it with a purpose. And then you want to read it only as long as you feel inspired by it. Now, this can apply to fiction too. I mean, you can put down a novel if it's just not doing it for you. I mean, get through a few chapters before you make that judgment call. Do your preliminary research so you know what you're looking for. But if you can tell that you just don't feel inspired and you're just wasting your time, don't have any guilt about putting that book down. And as far as nonfiction goes... Use your table of contents and your index and your preliminary uh, research to filter through it. Only read the chapters that you really want to read. Give yourself permission right now that you're going to let this be more of an organic process, that you're going to really listen to yourself and to those that you know you can trust to guide you through some of the best books to get you started on this path. And when it's time to put something down, then put it down. 
and go on to the next thing because that precious little seed that's budded, that, that little tiny, you know, beginnings of a plant that we want to nurture, we don't want to squelch those by doing things that will cause us to feel like it's a grind and totally uninspired. So we turn this, we turn away from this altogether. We don't want to just shut it down because that we, we have to finish some certain book and we don't want to. Stay on that path. Keep nurturing that desire to learn until you become a really great lifelong learner. And, uh, and then the last recommendation I would make is that when that, when you have a book, like for me, the hiding place and some others tell two cities, um, when it's had a profound impact on you, reread it often, go back to it again and find out and, and revisit those feelings, those truths, look for more that you can glean from that, more lessons, more inspiration. Let it nurture you because that for you is a book that really nurtures your soul and, and you ought to return to it. Sometimes there's like modern works that, uh, especially in nonfiction, and they might teach us a concept and we have a paradigm shift and that's all we needed from that book. And rereading it isn't necessarily going to be helpful. Um, but especially in, you know, poetry, plays, um, histories, nonfictional works, things about people, those really can be things that um, help us really not just be our best, but want to stay our best. I, I give the example often that for years and years, when I go to bed at night, I think of Corey in the in the concentration camp and I feel so blessed that I have a bed and a pillow to go to sleep in and it makes me just admire her and want to be like her. Now, as we kind of feel drawn to certain books that we're going to spend some time with, they seem of value, they've been recommended by people we trust, we've been drawn to them, we're going to put in a tiny bit of effort at the beginning to learn a little bit about the book. Uh, the first thing is we're going to get to know the author. It's interesting because there's liberal arts programs in the country that I know specifically won't let the students research the author because they're afraid that that will create bias in the student's mind and they won't get as much out of the work. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I want you to have the best opportunity to get the most out of the work the first time through. And I think it's valuable for you to know who the author was, when they wrote it, why they wrote it, what's the story behind this book that is really worth your time. And you'll use that information in learning about the author and then learning the background of the book to, to determine for yourself something that I sometimes call your why. So what is it about this book that you want to get out of it? When I was reading Jane Eyre, it was all about self-discipline. And I went into it knowing that I wanted to st understand how Jane went from A to Z. One of the other things I'm going to tell you to do that you might or might not do, but I'm going to tell you if you don't want to have to read, especially a novel twice, learn the plot before you read it. And it's funny in our day and age, you, you know, you get on to... YouTube or whatever, and there's all these book reviews. Oh, I don't, don't give me any spoilers. I, I don't want to give you any spoilers. But the truth is, knowing the plot does not ruin the reading. 
when it's a book worthy of you, it won't matter how much you know about it before you read it. It will still elevate you because there are things in that book that are above you and beyond you that you can learn from. And there are truths in there that will change the way that you think about yourself and about the world. And you won't be bogged down by focusing on the plot. You'll be looking for how the plot unfolds and why and what the character development is and what those principles are that, that you're looking for. So I recommend it. I think it's valuable. I have pages and pages of notes on Jane Eyre and how her self-governance changed her and changed the people around her. And how she was able to be principle-centered at a time when it seemed like principles didn't matter at all. So that's what you're going to do to prepare to read. It doesn't have to take you very long. Like, you know, half an hour, an hour. Just look some stuff up online. Research around a little bit. Sometimes there'll be an intro to the book you might want to look at. Or sometimes there's a really short author bio. But I highly recommend you spend a little time getting to know this book that is worthy of your time. And then as you read... Um, there's, there's all kinds of stuff about how to mark a book that I could tell you, but just to get started, mark quotes, just simply do this by bracketing it somehow, putting a little cue there and putting a page number at the front of the book so that you can find that quote again. And then if you want the, the next thing I would recommend that you do is write the five types of questions. This is going to be probably the hardest thing I'm going to ask you to do in terms of really getting the most out of the book. You'll learn those five types of questions in my article from opinions to principles. You can get that at the Audrey Rinlisbacher website, audreyrinlisbacher.com, and it's on the principles page. And that will introduce you to the five types of questions, and you you'll understand what I mean by that and why they matter. And then you'll just start asking those questions and tracking your questions. And as you do that, you will begin to learn what it means to have a conversation when you read. Because it's really through that question asking, and I encourage you to write those questions in the book, that you are really doing some much better thinking. I mean, it 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 ramps it up 10 times. And then, of course, the, the, the great part is that you're ready for a discussion on it, whether it's with your kids or with your husband or with your friends or whenever it might be useful to discuss that book, which I highly recommend you do when you're done you're ready for it because you have all those fantastic questions. You're going to start looking for principles and practice that. Now, of course, this is a primary goal of the MDM Academy. I mean, this is one of the central things that we do is train people in finding principles and understanding principles and being principle centered. But you can start practicing now. I introduce you to that idea a little bit, give you some examples from Jane Eyre in the article, and you can get started doing that. And then when you're all done, whether you read a chapter or whether you read the whole book, decide something valuable from that work that you're going to take away from it. Some small way, or maybe sometimes a big way, that that book is going to transform your life so that every book that you read has a positive impact on your life. Um, the last thing that you've got to do when you're done... Actually, not when you're done, when you're actually reading along in the book is compare it to your scripture. Now, um, best books are the kind of books that are worthy of your time and attention, worthy of you. Mortimer Adler said that 
the best books are over our heads and we shouldn't condemn our head to its present low altitude by not spending time in them. And so we want to think better than we think now. Uh, Albert Einstein said, Albert Einstein said that we can't solve the current problems that we face at our current level of thinking. And so if you're trying to solve problems in your life, or if you're just trying to be inspired and motivated, or if you genuinely just want to be a better person, whatever your motivation is for listening to this podcast, for being involved in anything that we offer for picking up books, make sure that they are worthy of you that they are better than you and can elevate you and can bring you up above who you currently are. So much of the publishing and so much of the reading that goes on in today's world keeps us right where we were. It's entertainment, which is fine, you know, as long as it's, you know, quality. There's nothing wrong with being entertained, but just understand you're not going to get the book through you. The only kind of books that you can get through you are the kinds of books that are above you that have something to teach you, that contain principles and eternal truths of human nature and natural law that can help you to be more than you were, to really expand who you are. So as we compare this to scripture, of course, scripture is the best book, right? And so we wanna spend time in that, preferably daily. That's one of the first commitments we make in the MDM Academy is to read scripture daily and then in the workbook, there's actually lines to to find scriptures that correspond with the principles that are delineated. You look for those principles in the books and then you find them in scripture. And it's really a quality exercise. You can practice doing that and looking for principles and aligning those with scripture because all truth is connected and those truths should connect. If you've really happened, if you've really found a truth, it will it will connect back to true principles that you'll find in scripture. John Quincy Adams said this, I have myself for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once every year. I have always endeavored to read it with the same spirit and temper of mind, which I now recommend to you. That is with the intention and desire that it may contribute to my advancement in wisdom and virtue. And he said he would read the Bible pretty much an hour a day. And, uh, you know, that, that really created such an incredibly sound character. You know, John Quincy Adams was our only political leader to be president and then to then accept a lesser um, leadership role in government in in the House and fought slavery until almost his dying breath. So there's, there's a lot to the kind of person that the classics can make of you. Of course, John Quincy Adams read the best of the best and he even says, I've read everything. The Bible's the best. <laughs> I mean, you know, scripture is, contains truths of all kinds and it's really incredible. So John Locke said, now John Locke is still relevant today and still is having impact today, but he was a a 15th century thinker who had a huge impact on the founding generation. In fact, he's quoted in the declaration. Uh, James Madison studied him extensively, and this was something that John Locke said that had a big impact on on James Madison. He said, the Holy Scripture is to me and always always will be the constant guide of my ascent, and I shall always hearken to it as containing the infallible truth relating to things of highest concernment, and I shall 
presently condemn and quit any opinion of mine as soon as I am shown that it is contrary to any revelation in the Holy Scripture. So the scripture is the constant guide of my ascent. If you can prove to him that any of his opinions are out of line with scripture, he'll quit his opinion and adhere to what the Bible says. And that's what we've got to do, right? We've got to align ourselves with the greatest truths in order to really get these books through us. That's why when it's all said and done, we want to take that one theme, that one idea that made such an impact on us in this book that was worthy of us and implement it, apply it somehow. Make yourself a little bit better, a little bit closer to truth and a principle-centered life through applying that truth that you found. I wanna finish up with one of my very favorite quotes in the whole wide world from Mortimer Adler about this very thing because he spent his life you know, to his dying day. He was publishing books in his 90s on education. He wrote like over 50 books and I, I really admire him. It's fascinating because like C.S. Lewis, his liberal education in the great books led him from atheism to a belief in God to a belief in, um, in Christianity. And I, I think that's, that's really cool. But ultimately, he had so much to say about what we deserve as human beings. Like Hutchins said, we deserve the best. You deserve the best. And, you know, when we turn away from important works in history, you know, in poetry, in theater, simply because they seem hard, we are cheating ourselves of the opportunity to grow. And of course, that intellectual growth leads to spiritual growth. And we just enjoy this um, richness about us and a depth of character that other people can't attain unless they're willing to submit themselves to that path. So that's my that's my challenge to you. And here's what Adler said that is my favorite quote, one of my very favorite quotes. He said, I hope that as you learn to read, the heavier reading you once put aside will cease to be burdensome. You will enjoy learning and all books will become light in proportion as you find light in them. That is what we're really talking about, light. And those books will be light. They won't seem hard and heavy and burdensome when they have truly enlightened us and improved our character and made us more than we were. Thanks so much for joining me. If you don't have your own copy of The Mission Driven Life, head on over to themissiondrivenmom.com and grab your free copy and I'll see you next time.